Welcome to a very special episode of the Q to Q pod. I'm here with a very special guest. Uh, her name is Vanessa Kinney. She's a wonderful uh, patron of the theater and arts, and she's bringing DFW exactly what it needs. How are you doing today, Vanessa? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Do you like my, um, I don't know if it's Leia-esque. I'm trying to think of what character in star wars my headpiece Ooh, not leia uh oh, Ooh, there's a padme, of a padme 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 oh, I... yes she has this sort of arch thing that goes over her almost entire top half of her head at one point it's and then and then she has a we could talk for five hours <laughs> about all the different things that that character wears it gets insane honestly i saw a meme this morning that said like girls don't want a boyfriend they want whatever dresses and outfits padme was wearing i'm like yeah (laughs) Yeah. take or leave anakin even though hayden christensen is super hot by the way i want to recommend to everybody listening if you're into the actors on actors uh workshop that's on youtube diego luna and hayden christensen in one room we're talking not just about Star Wars, but a lot about Star Wars since they're in uh, different generations of shows. I mean, well, I, I mean, Andor and uh, Obi-Wan are current shows, but they come from different eras of Star Wars, of course. So anyway, we're not going to talk about Star Wars all of the hour or however long that we're going to be here, even though I may try to seduce you into doing a part two so that we can talk about Star Wars. <laughs> I want to know, and now I'm like, I want to know all about your thoughts on which characters you like, which movies you like, but oh. I will hold and ask uh, you to introduce sort of what we're here to talk about and uh, tell us a little bit about how you conceived of it. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I've got a show coming up. I uh, A little bit about me. I am the artistic director for Curiosify. It's a production brand that I run myself um, and we do multimedia Um, performance art events so a lot of times it's storytelling sometimes it involves music sometimes it involves improv and comedy and different things Um, it's kind of just different per each event Um, but this event that's coming up for pride is a storytelling um, event that includes live poetry reading um, personal stories and more kind of creative stories um, as well as a live musician who's playing some original music of hers at the event as well. And you started off working in theater or were you more in the music world? How did you come to generate the zhuzh that you would need to really helm something of this nature? Yeah, I I mean, theater and music almost at the same time when i when i came to college um i i literally could have been a double major (laughs) with how many um theater classes that i took alongside um the music classes that i took at least at Collin college um and but then i did transfer out to boston conservatory where i got my bachelor's in voice performance and i studied music there um I'm not necessarily focusing on that more like classical style of music production at this point in my life. Um, But through those different experiences that I've had, I've gotten to see art from a lot of different perspectives. Um, And definitely something that 
I personally love and always want to involve in the things that I create is, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Mixing of mediums, you know, um, where you have like dance and music and acting and like, it's just a, it's a mix of different mediums um, all together that all tell a story and not have it just be one thing. Um, I, I really love using that as a tool. Yeah. I mean, do you think that that's something that's sort of missing from DFW theater or rather just the arts in general, because it seems like the way that things are promoted, at least, even if the, construction of them may be multimedia they're promoted as a a particular kind of event whether it's theater or music or dance and yes there's nuances there but it felt very when you told me about what you were doing it felt very much like something i really hadn't seen here and it felt very north in other words I, you know, I, I'm about to go to New York in July. I go there pretty often. You see ads for things like this a lot more frequently where the director or showrunner or, you know, whoever is working on it didn't feel limited. And I think that's something that really feels important about this particular show is that you're opening the door and ba even from the beginning as we were trying to, see who was going to actually be in the show because you reached out to me and you were saying you know do you know of any artists who'd be interested it felt very much like you were allowing for some experimentation and that through that would majesty would generate so can you talk a little bit about that and if you've noticed that sort of gap in in our arts consuming world I I really love that you bring that up. Also, I definitely take that as a compliment, <laughs> saying that it reminds you of something up north. Um, I yes and no. I think that there's pockets of it here and there, and I think that when somebody creates a really great work, it is multimedia always. Like the great works are multimedia, and that like the staging is really specific. The lighting is really specific. Everything ties in. Everything's intentional. Um, yeah, I think that's the better word for it. Intentional as opposed to specific. Um, but I guess so both of those things could kind of go hand in hand. Um, I think that there are people who do that, but I agree with you that in general, a lot, a lot of the arts doesn't want to take risks out of not wanting to take fiscal risks. Um, and I think that's a, something that really holds people back. And when it comes to expectation, um, they know that they have a guaranteed, and this is going to be business talk, <laughs> they know that they have a guaranteed market yeah. when it comes to um, giving people what what they already know and understand. Yeah, so, I mean, you're trying to make sure an audience sees whatever you're bringing out for that moment in your season and go, yeah, I recognize that. I can trust that. It's a version of what I've got before and it's not too far off. And that's what I liked about what you were bringing to the table is it's, it could go in a lot of different seasons, but, but I'm going to hazard to guess that what you're going to be doing next or what you did prior is maybe totally and completely different and may serve an entirely different audience, which is to me a real risk as a, you know, uh, as a season runner, but that's, 
where the reward comes in. So does that reflect the truth or is it a little bit of a different version of what I've kind of mentioned? A little bit of column A, column B. <laughs> let's, let's hear about the differences. Yeah, I want to know. So, I mean, what I uh, kind of further along the lines of what I was saying, where it's like, you know, you have your guaranteed market. There's a market that I think that's underserved right now, which is one of people in our age range who are artistic, who want to experience something they've never experienced before, who want something new who want something that feels like this is my little like secret that I found my little corner of, of the world where I found this like pocket of alt art that um, is unique. Um, I see that a lot more and I see that people are willing to invest in that and willing to, you know, both like financially, but with their time too. Um, and they walk away, you know, you're always going to get the people who are going to be like, eh, this isn't what I expected it to be, you know, like, oh, the comedy was weird and off or um, this was too long or this or that, you know, you'll, you'll get people who complain no matter what. But um, for the most part, what I witness is a lot of creatives, um, both people who are involved with the production versus people who are patrons walking away from these events being refreshed and being like, yeah, that's nothing like anything else that I saw. Um, and that to me is what is exciting to me and why I do this stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, like I'm not really interested in just being another local community theater or just being a another another group that puts out the same, you know, collection or like database of shows that always gets put on. Right. And, you know, you mentioned you you want it to feel, or you said one of the things that you do it for is so it feels like something you've never seen before. And I was, I'm curious about where the divide happened in live theater, because in my opinion, other than of course, if you're talking uh, Phantom of the Opera, which of course we know has just historically changed, um, but you know, for it was going on for quite a while. So if we're not talking, you know, a, a show that is continuously running shouldn't it always be something that you've never seen before and this is what i'm talking about is even if say you pick up something as classic as the glass menagerie you know you, you know you, we've seen a lot of williams a lot and people study williams in theater classes across the globe i'm sure shouldn't it always be a thing that is fresh and unique with the illusion of the first time and to take risks even if the script is so specific and i'm so the reason i bring that up is because i would think as a theater goer something like the season that you're proposing isn't actually all it's just theater being more open about the truth that it's meant to be an experience unlike what you've already had. And I think that's that's sort of a dying art in a weird way because we're so much about safety when we yeah. go to the movies or pull up, you know, even not even just when we go to the movies and I'm a movie fan, so I'm not knocking movies, but even when, you know, you pull up your phone, it's like the, the comfort of, 
TikTok. familiarity and and uh, like the yeah. kind of immediate Immediate um yeah yeah and and a sense of gratification out of experiencing a format that's familiar too like there's that piece as well right um yeah i don't know i it's it's one of those things where i agree that i don't see it as much here i think there's a hunger for it and i've started to see mm -hmm. um the people who tend to be more willing to experiment tend to be comedians um, and tend to be improvisers. Uh, the comedy scene in Dallas certainly has um, several different um, independent show producers that are popping up all over the place and starting to do garage shows and different things like that, where it's like a lot of people who just so strongly have the desire to create art for mm -hmm. art's sake that um, they're just going out there and they're doing it underground, which I have a, so much respect for. Oh, absolutely. And I want to talk about that next. But yeah, we've had Stefan Newman on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so, one of them. Right. Yeah. I mean, with Queer Factor, it's and I want to talk about I want to put a pin on underground theater movements and comedy movements, because I think that's really important to highlight. But I wanted to ask you um, when what are the pressures that come from creating a market where there it, it's a dual question? Because we just talked, we just talked about how there is a hunger for it. There is a market, but where you can sell Wicked really easily with big spectacle, and I'm not even knocking Wicked. It's great music, great performances when it's directed correctly. What I'm saying is, how do you create a market that you know is there but isn't banking? and safe in that producery way because i'm dealing with that too with here mm. trying to figure out where the balance is of understanding that you know this is not something that dallas audiences or dfw audiences in general or texas audiences in general are going to at the rate that they're going to say the big budget wickets so right well with the exception of austin but the, yes, yeah, well, yes. Sure. <laughs> keep Austin weird, baby. Exactly. Ah, love it. Love it. Because Austin does do a lot of stuff like that, too. Um, a little bit more since they're essentially the Portland of the South. Um. <laughs> That's sure. Because holy fuck, it needs to be. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to Austin, the Portland of the South. It's great. <laughs> I was colloquial. T-shirt designers out there, please contact Vanessa. She will give you all the ideas you need and then some. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's like, in terms of like the challenges of like, I don't think that you're ever like creating a market, you're tapping into it. And it's like, how do you speak to that group of people? And you have to think about like, where do they exist? And are you actually reaching out in those avenues? Um, you know, a lot of the times. Yeah. That's yeah. I was, when you were just mentioning that, I think it changed in my mind. It's not creating a market. It's activating. How do you engage with it? Right. You know, yeah. um, and I, you know, I would say like half of it is clout, honestly. Okay. Half of it is clout because like, think about Meow Wolf. Meow Wolf. I don't know if you've heard of Meow Wolf before. Is that something you're familiar with? It is not something I'm familiar with, but I, and I feel like I now have to take off my kitty <laughs> headdress um and uh and th toss it over because i'm not worthy of it for not knowing it uh, no, 
I um, want to know yeah. about it. It sounds fucking cool. It's very cool, and it's coming to Grapevine um, in like a month. Uh, but like Meow Wolf is an art installation that very much like it's it's really cool. It uses visual art. It's experiential. You walk through it, but it's very much a narrative. And there's a lot of heart that goes into it with like pre-recorded things with actors and stuff. Like it's 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 very weird. It's very out of the box. It's very abstract. It's like it's great. It's great. Um and they're always sold out. They're always sold out because they're a big name. Okay. So people know that they, that people recognize the brand. There's clout with that brand. There's an idea that like, oh, if I'm going to go to a Meow Wolf thing, it's going to be good. Right. Um, so like half of it is like taking the risk and actually engaging with that demographic but then also it's building up your reputation over time. Sure. And some of the ways to do that, I'm sure just, you know, having, first of all, having kick-ass shows. Second of all, you know, some kind of presence online, I would think would be necessary and generating a community. You know, that's yeah. something that, it, I mean, they call it community theater for a reason, right? Even though on the level that you're talking, it doesn't sound like it's, just community theater it's a very legitimate not that community theater isn't a, le a legitimate business but it's like a it's its own um enterprise it can be it doesn't have to be this big budget um at&t center level show right you can generate and that's and that's something i noticed because we're, we're recording this on juneteenth hope everybody um by the time this releases it will uh, no longer be juneteenth but you know Lots of important days this month. Hope that you got to share space for them all with people that you care about. And one of those important days was Father's Day. I took my dad to a Rangers game and I realized that it functioned a little bit like its own community theater, just on a huge scale with a bunch of people hitting balls. And I'm not trying to say, oh, it's just hit people hitting balls. I couldn't hit balls like the player with the last name Seeger. I forgot his first name, but... I'm saying I that don't know the sport ball either. <laughs> it's the sport ball moment where two theater people talk about sports and flounder around. No, I, I think that the reason people are coming back, yes, they love the sport, but I could, I, I felt around me this synergy of, yeah, we're all coming to a place that we know we're all coming to support a business and an enterprise that we have faith in and that to me was really what it was more about than even just the excitement of the game. And I think a theater can do the same thing, no matter how big or small you are. So um, can you tell me a little bit about that journey for you? Um, and if you are still on that journey, uh, what your goals are for your your theater troupe? Gosh, I mean, so I don't have like a set list of performers at this at this time. Um but I do have community and I do have people that I reach out to. Um, in terms of, let me, let me unpack that question. <laughs> in terms of like my goals, I think that it's important to not be, uh, hmm. <laughs> care about inclusion when it matters. Don't care about inclusion when it doesn't. And what I mean by that is pick your audience. Sure. And like my events 
probably aren't going to be great for people who are um, a little bit more reserved or wanting something that's more, you know, considered traditional mm -hmm. um, or people who are maybe a little less accepting of other walks of life. Uh, and I'm not interested in that audience, to be honest, you know, because that's not who I'm trying to reach out to and connect with. That's not my community. Um, so like pick your audience and, and, you know, really go after it. But I think like again and again and again, it's being intentional, you know, like a lot of people have ideas and are sort of workshopping those ideas live without necessarily like a direction that they're going with it um, with each event. Uh, I'll give an example with the last event, uh, Drugs Not Required. The whole idea of that event was we wanted to create something that was um, an unusual comedy event. We did not want this to be normal. Um, and we based each thing, we we had a whole talk, me and Colin, um, Colin Phillips, who was co-producing that event with me, um, had this talk about like, what are the different stages of like a mushroom trip? And well, how can we make that conceptualized into the actual things that are happening in the show? Yeah. So like, for like the parts that were absurd, we had like nonverbal improv, physical improv where it was a bunch of scene work where people were, you know, essentially cavemen going through Fuck, um, I missed a show. of stuff. <laughs> Damn. Well, I won't be missing this upcoming one or hopefully none of the other ones that you're about to produce. But I think that that's really keen insight because you can't be for everybody. And I think that's the thing that, I mean, you can, I think you can corner uh, more avenues if you sit down with a team of producers, right? And you try to, um, scrutinize everything that may or may not be offensive, but by deciding that you're going to do your thing, it's going to be from your heart. It's going to have, like you said, intention. I love that, you know, that seems to be the, the core value is like intentional choices. Leaning into that is a part of your branding. And people that will return for you know that they're not going to get something watered down to be safe. They're going to get a good show that comes from your bones, the meat and potatoes. It's everything. It's in all the seasoning. You know, we're not going to wash away anything that uh, could be risky because to do what you're doing and we've, you know, intention and risk, we've mentioned those words a lot, I feel. The risk is important and the risk is going to lead you to that community. So, and I, I think that there are a lot of voices that beat people down who are trying to do what you're doing because there's always going to be people that see something that they don't want represented mm. and yeah. they're going to be upset and, and realizing that that doesn't mean that what you're doing is bad, that that's not actually a part of theatrical criticism. You can, you can watch a show and say the choices, the creative decisions, you know, whether it's the writing, the acting, the directing, the set, whatever, you can critique that and say, it really wasn't for me. I didn't think it was executed in an artistically sound fashion, but to just say, I saw something that doesn't jive with my sensibilities. I don't see myself reflected. My ideas reflected 
is to me a little ignorant and narcissistic. So you're actually, <laughs> you're saving the world one honest, earnest, authentic show at a time. I think. Wow. Well, that's quite a compliment. And I, I appreciate it. I don't know if I necessarily think that I'm saving the world, but I'm certainly attempting to save my, my own passion for the arts. Look, um, I am the world, okay? <laughs> I'm, I've green screened myself to be the entire world. So if I. Then if maybe I am. Knows, if, yeah. <laughs> if anybody knows what's uh, saving me, it's me. So. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. I think that that's like. Gosh, I mean, without risk, where's the fire? Yes, another shirt. Not to, <laughs> not to, not to dilute or to trivialize what you've just said with a joke. But I, actually, that is so so true, and it's not just for theater. I think that's in human everything, everything, everything. Oh my god! I mean, like, so I'm a big fan of a lot of different art forms, but like. I, I feel like I can always tell when someone's in it, when someone's yeah. live in that moment. And there's almost this like palpable energy of someone being on that precipice and not necessarily knowing where the next step is going to take them. And it's when you feel that, that level of presence and performance, you only really get that when you're risking something and when you're trying something new, when you're stretching yourself, um, whether that's risking with vulnerability or risking with like a medium that's just uncomfy or new or like you're not sure if people are going to accept it right. um yeah and that 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 energy is something I chase I really 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 love that um I was just saying it the other day about watching some improv shows and how I'm like I love it I love watching when someone surprises themselves right you know, it's not to me, it's not about being silly. It's not about being quippy. I'm one of those odd ducks that like, I don't even necessarily go to improv shows for the comedy. <laughs> I actually go to it because I like being surprised. I go for people making choices because I think yeah, yeah. in the moment you see the process of choices being made. And that's when you know theaters because Again, I'm not, I, I don't have any issues. I do community theater. Community theater is wonderful. Uh, if it's, if there's a lackadaisical sort of direction or even just an unfocused one, from time to time you can catch actors and it may be due to inexperience. It may be due to the way they were told to do it. You sometimes feel a space issue. Yeah, detach. There's no choices being made because all the choices were made at some point in the rehearsal process and they were like this is this is gonna stick and i understand for a scripted show it has to have structure i'm not saying don't make choices but allow also for the discovery on right and i and so you see things and you don't see it sometimes well like are you on are you on train tracks or are you dancing you know again i guess another shirt i, I was but just like another shirt <laughs> Yeah. um but like uh, yeah like that is something that I really I really witness with people like and it, it doesn't matter if it's regional you know professional equity 
local community whatever levels i see it in all different levels where it's like yeah. there are people who are really present and really in it and they're dancing and they're moving with it and it's it's alive and then there's people who aren't and that's not always necessarily the performer's faults and it's not always necessarily the director's faults it could be kind yeah. of a mix of like are you creating that culture in which that survives and that lives and that thrives and that happens um which is what I try to do for sure with the stuff that I'm doing and keeping that in mind. Um, well, we can never do it a hundred percent because I think yeah. also even like, even as we're talking now, you know, you can have this set idea of how you're going to be. And, you know, for example, there's all these factors, right? Like you're a guest on a show. You want people to come see your show. I want you to feel like I appreciate what you're doing. We both have companies that we represent. So there's like circles and bubbles and, you know, how does my voice sound? How does your voice sound? How are, you know, we're, we're talking to each other over a piece of technology. How does that affect it? Like, you know, you, but even though there circles are circles of influence, yeah, yeah, there's all kinds of influence that may mar it a little bit with everything from a zoom call like now, or, being on stage in an improv show or in a scripted show in another Agatha Christie adaptation, it's still possible. It's possible to work through that conditioning and accept that I can never condition you to not have reactions to me. And I think that's what mm. we've started to do, not even just in theater or in any art form. I think we've started to do it a little bit in social interactions, not even just talking face to face, but via text, we start to anticipate our effect on somebody else. And then mm. in anticipation, we edit ourselves, or we shut up or we don't try something or we don't ask a question and it just leads to missed opportunities. And again, there's mm. risk. It always, it all comes back to risk. And what we're trying to say, I guess, is we've both made the choice in our own way to do something that is risky because we don't know what kind of amazing things are going to happen. Bad things can also too, but that's a part of it. Like we could have a really awkward exchange. I, it hasn't happened. I really enjoy talking to you, but for example, we could have gotten on this zoom call. We could have had nothing to talk about and it could have deflated like, you know, some yogurt that you left out for one <laughs> on a Texas hot day like today. So it's, it's life and you can't met and you can't, uh, edit life out of itself. That's not a shirt. You can't edit life out of itself. Is it? Yeah. Is yeah. That a shirt? <laughs> All right. I, I'll great. say it's a shirt. <laughs> That's another one for the books. Go ahead and put the orders in. No, um, we're, we're, we're starting a shirt brand. <laughs> That's the crux of all this, I guess. Okay, so <laughs> that should be the title of this this podcast episode: <laughs> <laughs> a series of shirt designs with Vanessa and Colin. No, I <laughs> I think that what you are doing is really important, and I'm going to spend five more minutes gushing now. I wanted to know a little bit about how, in all of the myriad of things you could have done for pride what made you select what you specifically did for this month mm, yeah um well i knew right away like months ago that whatever i did for pride it needed to benefit the trans community um that's something i'm really really passionate about right now uh i feel like people could be louder about it honestly okay. um even within the lgbtq community um 
And I, you know, I just, I, I view that what, what's happening to the trans community as something that is, ooh, so much bigger than just the trans community. And it's, you know, if we allow these precedents to go by and say, well, it's not affecting me, it's, you know, yeah, we're not, if, if all of us aren't free, none of us are free. And if we don't stand with the trans, you know, revolutionaries that have always stood with us, you know, we're going to be facing the consequences of that later. Um and I just, I don't know. And I have a lot of friends who are trans who I love and adore and I'm inspired by them, you know? And, and I don't mean that in the sense of like um, objectification. I mean, genuinely like what I gather as somebody who is a cis, you know, um, a cis woman, right? Is that there's this beautiful question that I can ask myself, what would I choose if I had zero expectations placed on me? How would I present myself? What would I wear? How would I speak? How would I move? If I truly choose chose something based off of what I wanted. Right. And like that question kind of just makes me sit down and think, wow, I, I honestly don't know especially as a, a woman where like your looks and your ideas and it's like, you know, your beauty or according to, you know, certain standards is a commodity. Right. You know, and it's directly tied to your value. Um, what if I had none of those hangups? Who would I be? What would I want to be? And what does that freedom taste like? I think that anyone who is trans has the audacity and the courage to bite into that freedom and choose it for themselves i think that that's radical and it's beautiful and it's an example for all of us um for the kind of radical love and acceptance and freedom that we could live in our own lives as well absolutely yeah there's no such thing as a minority problem whether the minority is a gendered one or something involving orientation or race or religion whatever the case may be we are a community and one thing that affects us affects the other. And so it's really important, you know, I'm a cis man, and it's really important that two cis people have created a podcast and are promoting a show that supports a more marginalized group of gender expressors. Expressors? I'm <laughs> now, gender expressions. I'm now Sean Conroy. Yes, we're uh, <laughs> We've come together <laughs> to talk about the important issues. Yes, I uh, know. I, I, and because ultimately, it's not about us getting yeah. attention. It's not about us letting everybody know that we think we know better or that we know best or no. that we all the yeah. answers. It's all really just about people that are less marginalized helping people who are marginalized raise themselves up. My my uh, best local friend um, is I have I have a few best friends, but one of them is trans. And I always make a point when they're misgendered to correct the person who did the misgendering, not as a, get me, get me, get me, get me. it's more of just a, um, we've had the dialogue and this person has said that would be helpful because people listen to you based on the way you present far sooner than they listen to me the way I mm. And so 
I need your voice in those moments. Yeah. Because it gets things done quicker. So that's why, like, you know, I try to I try to use the color of my skin, the dingle danger that I accept in my pants, um, all of the stuff that makes me who I am. Like, this is a way for me to advocate for the other person. And yet, whenever there's a moment of going, ah, like this is a I'm still also in a place of learning about it. I think that's yeah. where, that's where it really is too, is it doesn't mean then the learning stops and now you're like some elevated person. No. It's kind of bullshit. The it's learning never part stops. Of, it's a part yeah. of the learning. It's a part yeah. of Yeah. And I mean, allyship, like a whole part of allyship is, you know, understanding and acknowledging your privileges and wielding it for good. Um, you know, like not to like white knight anything, but like I, it people is important. Difference, though I feel like I think know? people do, yeah, and I I think that it is important. Like, you know, something that Colin has talked about with me a lot, my boyfriend Colin Phillips. Um, uh, <laughs> he, you know, We're if he's in a space it. where <laughs> it's all of the Collins, um, <laughs> if if he's in a room where he sees that like I'm being mistreated, he knows that it's his responsibility to speak up. Mm -hmm. Not because I don't have a voice for myself, but because oftentimes that is going to be the quickest way to, to squelch that out. Or if, if I'm being spoken about in a way that's not right, or just women in general are being spoken about in a way that's not right or any kind of group of people. Um, and he's in a space with other people that he's going to speak up about that because that's him wielding his privilege. And I mean, the same for me, you know, like I, I'm going to acknowledge the fact that like I grew up relatively affluent and, you know, I am white and I am cis and I am, you know, just like most showrunners around, um, you know, I'm a part of that demographic, partly because I have a lot of privileges. Right. Um, I'm not going to stop making art, but I am going to, use that privilege to platform you know diverse groups of people and causes that matter to me and causes that i think um need to be heard and seen more yeah. um and I mean, something I, I always say is i i never want a lineup of mayonnaise <laughs> right exactly there's enough of that in the store yeah 100 percent. i and to me it's also a there's a very different thing from uh, standing up for somebody in a real way and posturing yeah. or, or transforming something f uh, into just another reason to fight or to prove that you're any kind of person, whether that be your moral high ground or your strength or how great your voice sounds, all of that stuff. We, we can tell when it's that. And for any marginalized person, they especially can tell when it's that. And, oh, yeah. And I think, you know, what you were talking about, you know, this is something that you you made the decision, given all of the factors that you just described of this is this is who I am. This is the function of how I enter the world as as seen on a, a survey. Right. But you've still made a choice uh, as a showrunner with all of those demographic traits. You made a choice to do this show. And that matters. And it's not about, again, now we throw flowers at you and put you on a beam and worship you like we would Daenerys Targaryen. It's it's about saying, 
this is a moment to look at an example. And the more examples we have, the better. The more examples of alternative or even just unique choices, the better. And then if we just started doing that, it, it really, I think the the need to celebrate the person would really be over. We wouldn't really need to do that. Yeah. More people just made those choices because we would have a ton of examples of the people <laughs> with the power making these choices. And then hopefully by that point, then the people with less power would have the power to make those choices for themselves. And then everybody gets a chance on stage. And as after school special as that sounds, it's absolutely essential because, you know, we as people started telling stories and that's how society formed. So if there's a person not sitting around the proverbial campfire, they're in something's missing and we're not getting yeah. the story and people like you are helping us get different perspectives and different perspectives give us a complete history. And that's, I think one of the battles that we're fighting now is to in this moment, create a landscape of complete history. So that yeah. Or, or avoiding history. erasure, right? Avoiding erasure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, uh, there's so much there that you said that I, I really, it really resonates with me. Um, it's it's important to yeah. It's like it's not about checking those boxes, you know. It's about and something that I I've I've said before um, in like articles and stuff. I guess uh, it is just really. I think that better art is is diverse art. Period. You know, like you're not going to get as good of an artistic work if everyone both on stage and behind the scenes are white and straight and cis. <laughs> it's just not because you're not you're lacking perspective. You're lacking, you know, quite literally color, um, you know, to 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 whatever production you're doing. And um, and I think that there's I think you're right that people do sniff out when they feel like they're just a checkbox on somebody's nonprofit list. Um, you know, and I, I have had experiences with nonprofits in the arts where it very much did feel that way. And um, it was really illuminating to me. And I definitely, it definitely taught me some things that in a sense, I'm lucky to have learned from someone else's mistakes um, at a time where I was pretty ignorant. Um, and I, you know, like there's a reason why I I'm not just looking for for people to participate. I'm trying to create a thing in which it is for them. You know, like, and that comes down to like every little detail, how you phrase the event, what words you choose in the audition announcement. Um, I literally put in the audition announcement for this show we are giving preference to people who are you know trans and gender non-conforming and non-binary like yeah. that is going to be given preference and, and i'm not context. shy about that no and there's context for that too people i think there are a lot as i'm hearing it there are ignorant people who have not been educated enough or they haven't chosen to educate themselves enough to know that when you say that you're not excluding people you are trying to raise up people that don't have the same level of like my friend that told me about addressing misgenders. 
you know, they don't have the same vocal range that, that you do. And I think that that's what, and, and any, any person that's educated themselves would know that that's not about, well, what about the, what about the cis people? What are you talking about? It's like, well, no, 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 no. The, the, what we're doing is not excluding. We are building a platform for those who do not have one so that they can be with us not so that they can be there instead of us. We want them there with us. And I like that you are advertising it in such a specific way because also if somebody has a problem, then that's really 100% on them. There's no surprise. There's no manipulation on your part in terms of what you're selling or what you're creating. You are just being totally transparent, which is a bad accidental pun on my part. <laughs> um, about this entire scope. And so if, you know, and I was thinking about that too, I was talking to my mom just the other day, if somebody's going to look at your truth and be upset, that has, you have no responsibility other than of course, to take care of yourself. And then if you see a window into education, you can go there if you have the strength and Ability. If you want to, yeah. <laughs> There's just yeah. sometimes where you know it's a fool's errand, and it's it's honestly it can be risky. It can pose hazards to your mental health or physical health, depending on the circumstance. So, yeah, I think that I think you've done it right, and that's why I wanted to to do this here today with you. If you were going to describe it to somebody that you think the show is for versus somebody who you think it's not for would you use the same words hmm i mean essentially i am i guess i don't necessarily think about who it's not for to be honest because like you know to me i think that there's almost um there's almost a, a problem with the concept of equality and inclusion from a very uh for lack of a better word like liberal perspective sometimes Mm -hmm. in that like sometimes that could mean like everybody gets the same thing or same treatment or like we break it down so that each people has a little piece of the pie and it's it's you know it's basically um you know catering to everyone on some level or another but when you do that automatically you're catering to the systems and the groups that are in that are more in power um you you really can't have your cake and eat it too um you you have to be intentional you have to be specific with your words like you have to say gay you have to say queer you have to say trans you can't be afraid of that you can't water it down because the very fact like the very act of watering it down says something yep. and it lets that other group know that you're not for them yes Absolutely. It's the, you're bringing your partner to dinner and you're giving them all these rules, right? You're telling them this and this thing, don't do this, you know, don't, you know, here and here and here are all the things that you can do. Here's all the things that you can't do. I've been a part of those conversations. My uh, two Mm. partners were decent people, but Unlike my current partner, they did not invite me into their family in a real way. And I was given those stipulations as Mm. nicely as they thought they were doing it. They weren't rude about it, but it wasn't for me. It was for 
the sake of the people who are have already decided that I'm bad for their son. Both sets of parents had decided I was just bad for their son before they'd even met me. So what I'm saying is you're not structuring this conversation to help me because I feel fine with who I am. You are trying to protect them. So it is a narrative for them, not for me. And the the reason I brought this up is because I think there's a there's a healthy way to invite people that are not a part of a particular demographic into spaces to learn about, celebrate, be there for. And you're an example of that because you are producing a show right now that is outside of your demographic. But what I'm saying is there's a, there's a responsibility to invite somebody into what it actually is, not into what it is, but isn't really. Because if you saw all of it, you might be a little put off. You know, you have to go, mm. you know, like I want people yeah. to be called in. And that's what people were talking. Even this month, it's been so layered and textured about pride. People saying, what, what is the, what are the limits of pride? Kids at pride, drag queens at pride, people in their undies at pride, people in puppy masks at pride. That's not pride. This is pride. That over here is a little bit pride, but maybe if we could just you know, change the rainbow here. Let's just like throw this like Doritos branding on it. Maybe that'll make it a little bit better. It's like now as a gay man, I'm really this month I had, I've had great times. I've enjoyed the people. That's what it's all about. I really don't know where my pride is. Mm. It's because we're, we're still developing our ability to um, invite because we're, we're inviting people into spaces that are, the aquarium version of the ocean, in my opinion. I get what you're saying with that. You know, it's like, uh, what level of protection is that? You know, is it personal protection? Is it protection of your group because you worked so hard for your group to have a space? Yeah. You know, is it is it, you know, the protection of your business and your brand because you don't want it to get torn down by the public? Um, and then like your life work's gone or something. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of fears around that. And I and while I can be sympathetic to that, um, I don't know. I just, I've never, I've never personally been fearful to, of conflict, of conflict. Good. You know, like for me, I'm more afraid that I didn't say or do something to try to, to try to include people that I, that I would be the reason why somebody felt like they didn't have a space or weren't welcome um, or just, you know, I will, I mean, in the sense of like the groups of people that are marginalized, Right. if you feel like you don't have a space with me and you're a really judgmental person, then I think that's a good thing. <laughs> well, it's, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I guess I'm, I'm just curious because there are some things that I don't, I shouldn't have any decision-making power on. For example, yeah. a woman's right to an, an abortion. Right, I mean, right. Like, but at the same time, I'd like to be able to go, hey, you know, like I have a penis and I identify as a man. I'd like to vote the right way. I'd like to show up. I'd like to know what I need to know, even though I could never, um, you know, in my capacity in this particular moment, give birth to a child. I it's it's that moment where I think some of the people that really need help 
like women who are struggling for their reproductive rights, um, if the people who aren't threatened by those terrible laws that stop them from helping themselves when they need it, um, if more of them got behind the people who do need those laws to be passed a certain way, um, I think it would get solved a little bit quicker. And so that's where I'm at of, of figuring out all this and thinking about Q2Q is how do I stay true to what Q2Q is, make it for queers, by queers, all that, but still like make sure everybody knows like straight wallets as like blunt as a way to put that, you know, Hey, I get it to our shows please buy our media, please get stuff off the store, tell people about it and come like come to the venue. Yeah. Yeah. You're not, you're not, we are not going to kick you out because you aren't like us. And I think that, you know, even though you and I in different ways, because we are minorities in different ways, um, we've felt being different in room. I do think in some ways that's a universal human experience, but that fear yeah. of being welcome, I think understanding that everyone feels that even if they have all of the power or none of the power. And because we know that we have less power in our own ways, I think sometimes we can feel that divide. And when somebody who you know, feels a little bit unwelcome is actually welcome, it's like, how do we bridge? How do I tell you as the person that is suffering more because of laws and because of regulations and because of historical trauma, how do I tell the person suffering from less of it? Not that it's a match. Trauma is subjective. Um, how do I help you cross the bridge with me? How do mm. I, where is the effort to say my hand is open? Because if you're crossing the bridge with me, you can extend your other hand and grab someone else as opposed to like punching. Yeah. I'm just looking for a world where people are punching people in the face in a, in a metaphorical sense, a lot less. It just feels like there's a whole lot of punching. I actually get where you're coming from because it's sort of like this idea of like, how can you be radically inclusive without being intentionally antagonistic? Right. And like, how do you, what's that balance between really clearly defining something for a certain group so that they know that they're accepted and this is for them and they are welcome and they are specifically invited versus like making sure that that door is open to others too. You know, what's that balance between those two things? Um, there's there's a an influencer comedian speaker who I love, love so much. Um, are you familiar with Aluk? No, I'm not. Oh, oh, they're they're wonderful. They're non-binary and they they're they talk a lot about the hate that they receive for like for dressing differently, for moving through the world differently. And and there's a couple of interviews um that I've run across uh, from with from them um recently where they talk about like how much they try to combat that hate with love and radical love and acceptance to the point where they don't shoot down people that are even directly derogatory to them. And that is true. Um, they meet them with a lot of like just radical love and they have this space for it where they're like, I realize that you hate me because you hate yourself. I realize that you're afraid of me because you're afraid of yourself. 
that you you say, how dare I live a life in which I have radical acceptance when I was never allowed to give that to myself. And I hope that you can find that. And I hope you can find space for that. And I don't hate you and I'm not going to spew hate back on you. And I think that, wow, that is so powerful. That's that strange. like, yeah, that's real. Strength. That's real whew, strength. Um, I think that they're, um, you gotta check out their stuff. I've got to check um, it out. It's, it's, it's one of those He's things where I feel channel. like I, I, uh, um, well, I, I don't know them personally. Um, um, but I, but like, I like to, I'll just promote for, for free. Just like go to this person's. Oh, know. yeah, yeah. I mean, gosh, it's just one of those things where I think that that's the difference. Can you can you focus on the acceptance part without the um, the bashing, you know? Now, is there a time and a place where you say, hey, that is unacceptable and we will not allow it? Um, if you choose to act that way, you're gone. Yes, there are moments where you're going to have to put your foot down and be that way. But um, a lot of times I just face things with a lot of reality and face people's discomfort and just accept their discomfort and be like, okay, you can be uncomfortable, but can we continue? And just kind of hold that space for them. You know, a lot of times um, in my work, you know, where it's like my my regular person job as opposed to the art stuff, you know, I, I work with new hires a lot. Um, and I'm at a company that's really inclusive. So they encourage us to have like our pronouns on, you know, all of our stuff. And, you know, I, <laughs> a lot of times I'll get people who will be like, oh, I, I, I don't just, I don't know how it works. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm like, you just say what your pronouns are. You know, I just view it as being respectful because you just don't know. And if you list it, you're letting someone else know that you're going to respect them. And I let them huff and puff and triple over themselves and add their pronouns well, <laughs> to, live, to their signature. Yeah, live in the discomfort. And that's yeah. another thing that I feel like is really hard because sometimes when I have to correct those people, going once again back to correcting misgenders, uh, a lot of the people have all kinds of emotional reactions yeah. to the correction itself. Sometimes it's pity, sometimes it's shame, sometimes it's a really, not usually anger, anger, but a little bit of prickliness. And it all comes from this place, I think, of being threatened on, am I, am I good? You know, this right. question of all, like, am I good? Am I good for what I'm doing? Do I enter into this space as a positive force? Even if you're not someone, you know, consciously aware of, I really want to do good. I think still we have this sense of ourself that when we're wrong on something, the challenge of that is sometimes like too much. People don't know how to deal with the challenge. And really, I wish people could just go, it's okay. You've been challenged on something. This is a moment of growth. This is a moment of learning. You have another opportunity. You have another go with this in a few days, however long it takes. And you know what? Maybe that time it'll be fucking great. And it's this scale I wish we could create for everybody of you're this much in the know, you're this much ignorant, and you may start at 0% on the, and, and right there on the dot of ignorance. But you know what? With every time you make a mistake, if you go to 5% to 10%, never justifying hurting people, of course, but increase yeah. your knowledge, 
increase yeah. your ability to articulate that knowledge with each interaction that you have. And maybe you may get to the hundred percent, but just knowing that it's always a choice to be where you are on that scale. And even if where you are on that scale, because some people think they're at a hundred when really they're at 35, if you're wrong, it's okay. You can adjust. It's okay to be wrong. Yeah. And we could do a little bit of a better job. I'm not saying you and I, I'm saying collectively, we could just collectively yeah, a little bit better at being wrong. Well, I do think that while, while a lot of, there's a lot of righteous anger and particularly from the people who own those identities or those, those groups, um, you know, whatever, you know, marginalized group that we're speaking of. Um, I do think that sometimes people get a power trip over like the, the optics of being on the right side. Mm -hmm. And I definitely am like one of like, ah, you know, I'm not really interested in canceling you, but I am going to correct you. Like, I'm not going to just be silent and maybe correct you is not even the right term, but it's like, I'm going to maintain my standards. I'm going to let you know what those standards are. I'm going to tell you, Hey, that's not allowed. And this is how it needs to be. You can stay in the room, sure, but you're not going to stay in the room if you don't uphold those standards. Well, behaviors have consequences, right? Right. So it's due process and we all have a right to go, oh, did you do this or did you do that? And it's not about saying, I know better and I'm going to, you know, now I get to enjoy punishing you. It's about, you know, if we let them off, if something happens where there really should be some consequences, that we have to treat those consequences as mattering because if they don't matter, then we have to say what does matter. You know, so if somebody has infraction upon infraction upon infraction that has caused people to be really seriously hurt, then action has to be taken. And it doesn't mean even if you have done the worst things to people, if you are on like the, the spikiest end of bad behavior, consequences will happen. But it also means that you are, you're still a person as long as you are alive and the growth is available to you. It just means that you have to own exactly what you did. You've done. And a lot of these people that we would think, I don't have any desire to mention their names. You know who I'm talking about. I know oh. who I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, there are people that if you thought for yeah. a few seconds, you go, oh, like the this person and then this person's. Yeah. Um, they, what you don't see is them going, I take full ownership of this. <laughs> and that's, part of the issue right is like i accept the consequences of what i've done and i will you know take this and then move on the rarity is that you just don't see it that much gosh you never do you know i I think about this group of people who were were running they're 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 running a ship that i i once was very much passionate about and something i you know that keeps coming back is like this idea that's like if you just came out and acknowledged the impact that your actions had, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Like that's literally all that it would take. But the amount of shame that gets in the way of doing that and and ego and pride and all sorts of things. Ding, ding, ding. It's a lot. And it's like, you know, 
I think that I love the way that you're saying like consequences are something that happened. Yes. <laughs> Actions yeah. have impact and that impact has consequences. <laughs> um, can you accept that there are consequences and ownership and growth without being drowned by shame? You know, can you separate those two things? I think that society sometimes makes it difficult because the story is the shame. So when we're all, yeah, like all we're all of the stories that um, would be connected to these men, mostly that I'm talking about, but of course it's not just ex exclusively a male problem. Um, they, the, the thing that we've watched documentaries about, seen adapted films about, read articles about, seen countless, countless news uh, reports about, it's the reason they have us is because we are in our heads going, yeah, you really should be ashamed. And this is shameful. And because like sex sells, again, I was about to get to my Sean Connery again, um, shame sells, unfortunately. And I think it also doesn't, it's not just as a commodity for, you know, news stations or producers. I think it's also a commodity for our own emotional bank. If we yeah. can shame someone else, um, it means we're on the other side it. of that picket line. Yeah. I think that's super common with white people specifically. Oh yeah. Like in the sense that like, you know, I hold, I hold the, the picket you know fork or whatever yes. a pitchfork I, I i hold i hold the the torch on this other side because if i hold this and i yell and i look angry you know nobody will ever find the like subconscious racism in me Ooh. i won't you know like that and like you're so scared you're so scared and it's like well guess what no i am racist <laughs> i you know because i grew up in a racist society because i have all this internalized phobias I, I have internalized misogyny to a certain degree. I have internalized fat phobias. I have internalized so many different things. But you're working on your percentage. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're it's, like, and you shouldn't be afraid of yeah. that being discovered. You mm -hmm. should actively seek it out to uncover it so that you can be free. Oh yeah. I mean, it, like I, I am in a relationship right now with somebody who's about, um, well, he's, about to be 24 this week and I'm 31. So there's an age gap. He's a uh, mixed race. He's got, you know, he's Irish and um, Latino and he's got um, like Micronesian. He's like all across the board, very diverse family. He is very different than I am. And I would not be serving him as a partner very well if I didn't understand that some degree of humility would be helpful to our lasting connection for example um and not and it's not even just um our race or our age it's also the fact that we grew up in different locations different socioeconomic yeah. statuses like the more you all... consider your difference yeah the better you will respect the person and on the other side of that the more you'll appreciate them because the realer they will be and the realer they will see you because you're not then working to hide yourself. Yeah. All of this thing, which I did a lot in relationships was like the thing that I, the, the, the flaws that I had, let's hide those and work on this other stuff. That's a little easier to digest, but 
you're actually taking away your partner's agency if you do that, because then you're not giving them all of who you are. But it's not about just, hmm. I'm a horrible sexist. And so I'm going to date you and be a horrible sexist and I'm never going to listen to you. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying is like, yeah, yeah. understand the thing the all of the, all those things you were, we dinged on earlier where you were like the shame and the pride and the ego being in touch with those means that it's less likely they're going to come out and hurt somebody. I'm less mm -hmm. likely to hurt my mm -hmm. partner because I know that I am flawed. In other words, thinking that you're not flawed is the thing that's going to, hopefully not but could potentially hurt your partner so oh god yeah i mean like the less in touch with yourself you are and the less like visibility and vulnerability you have the more you're not emotionally safe to the people around you and i i do i i don't know like there's just like this thing that kind of rung true with everything that you said about like not wanting to hide hide parts of who you are or hiding it out of like it's like this this kind of contrast between um avoidance and hiding things and sort of like cosmetically covering things up to to make things right and that constant like forever struggle that goes along with that versus am i really trying to be seen and to see yeah that's another shirt <laughs> I'm going to say that I, I could talk to you for 18 hours, but that's going to be the, the final shirt. Well, I'll go back and track all of the shirt designs. I'll get in touch with my graphic design guy. We'll, uh, we'll show you some drafts and then we'll uh, fundraise for, for something um, <laughs> with all of these amazing shirt ideas. We'll just start our own business, whatever. Um, <laughs> before we close out, First of all, just thank you so much for being here. I've, I fully appreciate everything that you bring to the table. I've learned so much from you even in this short time together. Would you just once more, uh, Vanessa Kinney, fabulous showrunner, introduce the show and let's get into the details as well of yeah. how people can see it and maybe as an asterisk, how they can see your community and support it maybe even just outside of the show totally so the event is called transcendence it is a multimedia event but it is mostly featuring storytelling so people sharing stories and sharing um, poetry spoken word poetry as well as some live music the event is taking place um let me just double check and make sure june 30th so it's friday june 30th at 8 p.m at rainbow vomit um, and it's right, right outside of Fair Park. It's a really cool space. It's this cloud room that's very like ethereal. Um, so I'm excited to be in that space. And I feel like that really heightens the theme of the show too, which is essentially taking taking a look at the intersections between sci-fi and queer identity. So I think, oh my gosh, there's so many intersections so between many. those two things. Um, As you said that my brain was shuffling. I was like, there's, oh my God. Yeah. It, it becomes a list. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's, all of it is sort of like, you know, using using that genre as a way to 
symbolically represent all these other things um, with with queer identity. And everyone who's a part of the show comes with a really different perspective and experience. And everyone has very differing ideas of what they're bringing to the table. But I think that they're really interesting and thought provoking and true to who they are. Um, I'm really happy that I have a collection of people who are so creative and um, really willing to authentically show up as who they are in this in this process. Um, and yeah, and the at the event itself, all of the proceeds from the event and the donations that are going to happen with the event um, are going towards House of Rebirth, which is a local Dallas nonprofit that helps support Black trans women. Um, their whole mission is they provide housing, they provide supports for like, you know, uh, a closet for clothing, for interviews, to help people get jobs, help people get access to um, uh, legal resources, help people get access to name change stuff, to, um, you know, medical resources. There's a whole slew of resources and community that that um, nonprofit does. And I just really, really believe in that. Um, and I'm really happy that we're going to be giving those proceeds from the show to that, um, to that uh, nonprofit. And how about your company and where they can find you online if there's donations or any place I don't I don't know if that exists but I'd like yeah yeah um I we we're likely gonna do a live stream of the show as well that's kind of in the works so if there's a live stream I mean as much as we would really love everyone to be in person um it does make it a little bit more accessible um and we're hoping to have like that streaming everywhere with the donations too so we can expand our reach of who can donate um but if you want to donate or if you just want to follow and see, you know, what Curiosify is up to, which that is the name of the production company, you can go to www. And it's spelled out curious. So um, C-U-R-I-O-U-S-I-F-I dot com. Um, and, you know, there's links to all of the socials there. So TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, all of the good stuff. We'll put it in the episode description as well. Is there anything else you wanted to share with our listeners or me before we leave? Um, no, not necessarily. Just I'm excited for this show. I'm excited to to have an opportunity to celebrate queer joy and and I and thank you so much for having me. This has been a, like a blast talking with you about all of this stuff. I know, I, I'm I feeling really sad. I don't want to say. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm mourning this recording. Um, thank you for everything and um uh, as always please if you enjoyed the episode rate us you know we we're always down for a, a nice hot five stars if you have any questions or suggestions about future episodes please visit us at queer underscore two underscore queer at instagram you can dm us we will respond very quickly i'm sure the website has a whole slew of exciting things on the rise. We are renovating our website, so you can't find it right now. But it will be out soon, and when it is out, I am sure that we will be featuring a lot more from Vanessa, but just for now, enjoy our posts about her wonderful show on Instagram and use all the information either there or here where you're listening to find out um, how high in the sky or into space all of her performers go. Uh, thank you so much again, Vanessa. Thank you so much to all our listeners. 
And don't ever be afraid to make a t-shirt. <laughs> I see moments running around Break away from society's menace and grace